Hey, welcome back. This is Robert Fleming. I'm one of the partners in the Tucson, Arizona elder law firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC. Sitting across from me is Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman, one of the other partners. Welcome back, Elizabeth. I thought uh, in this session of our regular podcast series, Elder Law Issues, we might talk about one of the biggest issues for people who find themselves, oh, I don't know, let's say elderly. Uh, <laughs> although the definition of elderly I've found over the years changes quite a bit. As I age, usually it, it stays about five years older than me. Uh, so <laughs> elder law issues it never applies to me. It just applies to my parents. But one of the things that I worry a lot about for them, and actually, truth be told, for myself and my wife, Rhonda, my lovely wife, Rhonda, is the cost of long-term care. If any of us should ever need placement in a nursing home or an assisted living facility or even an independent living arrangement, uh, those costs could be pretty outrageous, pretty prohibitive. In Tucson, Arizona, I know that a nursing home is pretty typically going to be on the order of about eight to $10,000 a month. And Rhonda and I have become fabulously wealthy over the years, but, uh, <laughs> but even for us, a uh, hundred and some thousand dollars a year is a pretty steep price. So what can we do to protect against those costs? Well, Robert, I think this is a really sensitive area with people. We talk to folks about this in, in a just kind of one-off consultations. We also speak to people doing estate planning or trust administrations about this kind of thing. Sometimes when we work with somebody's agent under a healthcare power of attorney and they hire us to provide them advice, we we discuss those long-term care costs. I, I've had a pretty interesting personal experience. So I'm 39 and I've been uh, very fortunate to have wonderful relationships with my grandparents through the years. My mother's parents lived in Washington, D.C. My dad's parents lived in Tucson, Arizona. And for my my mother's parents, so her side of the family, my grandfather died um, in his 60s at a young age, and my grandmother died actually in her mid-90s. She was diagnosed with advanced Alzheimer's, Robert, and she had a really tremendous John Hancock long-term care policy with no caps. <laughs> Believe it or not, this existed. It was uh, a million-dollar policy back when she bought it and paid into it. And because of that policy, she received 24-hour care in her apartment in Washington, D.C. for more than eight years. Now, we think about the cost of care here in Tucson. Well, just imagine in Washington, D.C., my grandmother was very, very serious about wanting to stay in her home. And without that long-term care policy, there really wouldn't have been an opportunity for her to do that. Now, there were lots and bells and whistles and reporting and headaches around that policy. Um, but I will say it made a tremendous difference for her and for our family in terms of being able to manage the costs of that care. My grandparents here in Tucson, they were also dead set about staying in their home. It was a home where my grandmother had moved um, really in her early 20s and raised a family there. And they wanted to stay in their home. They did not have any kind of a long-term care insurance policy. But in that situation, what we did is we used, we hired outside uh, case manager and hired a private staff 
and that staff went on to a payroll and provided them with in-home care for more than six years. The way that we could afford those costs, Robert, was because we were able to find qualified candidates to provide private care, not using an agency. So, Robert, if we think about, we work with wonderful um, caregiving agencies here in Tucson, well, they're fantastic. The rates, though, may be between 30 and $40 an hour for care. And for most of us, that's just prohibitive. I mean, it's, it's um, not something that's in, in, the, uh, in the cards. But when we look at hiring a private caregiving staff, people who are qualified private caregivers and, and getting those folks onto payroll, normally we see that hourly cost decrease to, say, something that might be more like 18 or $20 an hour with withholding or all of those administrative costs with a payroll. Well, if you can imagine saving $10 or $15 an hour over the course of six years, that's pretty powerful. So in my grandparents' case here in Tucson, they were able to stay in their homes, but it was through lots of careful financial planning and planning with a private care team. So I just say this, Robert, because I've actually seen, as an elder law attorney, two very different experiences personally. And when I meet with people, it really comes down to, I think, what somebody envisions for their own care, what their priorities are. Some people want to move into assisted living proactively, Robert, because they just don't want to go through that process of having private care in their homes. Other people decide to downsize. They're very intentional about downsizing and getting into a smaller primary residence because they actually want to capture the equity in their larger home and put that aside for care costs. So, I mean, it runs the gamut. Absolutely, it does. And I can add one more data point from my experience. Uh, my father died in, in a nursing facility where he had to go not because he couldn't afford to stay at home, but because he simply couldn't be at home. Um, but he didn't last very long in the nursing facility. And, and that's, a, that's a reality that happens a lot in terms of your planning for long-term care. Uh, the, the median time spent in a nursing home First of all, something like 60% of people who turn 65 in any given year are expected to spend some time in a nursing home before the end of their lives. But the median time they will spend is, um, according to the statistics I've seen, about two years. However, almost nobody spends two years. They either spend six months and then graduate back to home or back to some other sort of setting, or they die in the nursing home, which was what my father did. Or they spend four, five, six, eight years in the nursing home. And so the median of two years is a little bit misleading um, because it's so rare that people get close to the two-year time. Meanwhile, my mother's still alive, 98 years old. She's living in an adult care home, um, not a nursing home. And, uh, and she moved out of her home much earlier than she needed to, about 12 years ago but not because she couldn't afford to stay at home, not because there weren't caretakers, but because she lived a thousand miles from her nearest child. Uh, and and uh, so she moved to be closer to me. I was the, I, I got the short straw. So got, I was the lucky one to, to have mom nearby. And, um, and that just, that meant she was gonna have to move into uh, 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 initially an independent living arrangement and then graduated to assistant living and now to this adult care home. Neither of my parents had long-term care insurance. 
and uh, and had they had it, they would have had a more comfortable time. And I guess I, that's the real point I want to make about your story, Elizabeth, is that your grandmother who had long-term care insurance could afford care more easily by having it, but more fundamentally, she could afford the planning so that everybody could be comfortable that she probably would be able to stay at home and not have to make the decision to place her someplace away from her home. And I know because we've talked that she had family, more family nearby than my mother would have had had she stayed in her home. Um, so so that was a, uh, a lucky happenstance for her. And I think, Robert, that when I consider what it's like to have put together kind of a private care team and the scheduling that goes around that and the payroll and all of that, it's a ton of work. And while I, I know that my grandparents here in Tucson received really exceptional care, um, the planning and the stress around how to coordinate that, both from a budgeting perspective, a staffing perspective, all of that is is difficult. And so, yeah, it's kind of an interesting thing. I mean, I'm, I'm not quite 40 yet. Uh, I've got a history of Alzheimer's and dementia on both sides of my family. And it's not really sexy to think about a long-term care plan, but it's one of those things that I've actually started to think about. Doug and I don't have kids. And so one thing that matters to me is that I don't really want to have my brother or sister-in-law or other family burdened with how to deal with my care. I'm sure I'll be a handful to put mildly um that would be my expectation (laughs) and so i've actually started to think gosh i wonder years from now what those plans will look like if they even exist and is it practical in any way for me to actually consider some kind of insurance that might resemble long-term care insurance i don't know but there's no right answer to this we see people and this comes up frequently What I normally advise folks to do is to work with their CPA, their financial advisor, to really crunch the numbers about whether it's a meaningful investment to make to purchase a long-term care policy, because it is a financial commitment. I mean, paying in, particularly if you buy one of these things when you're older, if you start paying in, you kind of got to keep paying in. And um, what does that mean then if you walk away from the policy? There's a lot to consider. And... And I uh, recently recommended somebody who was looking at one of these. She was administering her aunt's estate. Her aunt is now incapacitated, has a long-term care insurance policy. And the agent who was asking me what to do, I said, well, I would hire a case manager to evaluate things to determine whether or not you should actually go ahead and see if it's time for your aunt to be eligible under the policy. Because just because she's got long-term care insurance doesn't mean actually that she will meet all of the eligibility requirements. And, And so that's its own project, but a project that frequently we recommend people hire a case manager to help navigate. Two observations I want to make from your from your story, Elizabeth, for clients and listeners who are thinking about long-term care insurance. First is, the policy that your grandmother had, you could not buy today. The, the industry has changed so much that um, the, the policies are much more restrictive, uh, and, and, and the insurance companies have some actuarial experience that they didn't have when they issued your grandmother's policy. So that's really not a choice. You would be looking at, uh, at a, a much more restrictive policy with much smaller benefits 
Um, you need to think about having inflation protection because uh, at least for the last 30 or 40 years, healthcare costs have gone up at a faster rate than, than all other um, uh, inflation indexed things. And uh, so you really need to think about that. And that's a very expensive proposition. The other observation that I'll make is if you're not yet 40, you're probably too young to be buying a policy, but not by too much. Sort of the optimum age to be looking at a policy is sometime in your mid-50s for most people. Um, the longer you wait after that, the higher likelihood that you have some condition, that you develop some condition that makes you ineligible for long-term care insurance. And even though you would be paying 10 years of premiums, if you bought it at 55 rather than at 65, the premiums are so much lower and go up so much more slowly that all of the, the calculations say you'll come out better if you buy it at 55 than at 65. And yet, I just turned 70 and I'm the median age for new purchasers of long-term care insurance. And that's actually one of the problems with the policies is they are being bought by people who are too close to needing to use them and the costs skyrocket and the, and the efficacy of the programs uh, is affected by it. So it's a, it is a tough choice. And you not, need to not only talk to your accountant and your lawyer, but also your financial advisor um, and, uh, and, and do some calculations about whether you're wealthy enough to what we might call self-insure. That is to say, just figure on using your fantastic accumulated wealth to pay for your long-term care costs. Um, unfortunately, at 100000 plus per year with inflation for the next 30 years, that's a pretty big nut to, what's the right expression? Not to buy it, not to chew. Not uh, to be a Debbie Downer? Yeah. <laughs> so um, anyway, long-term care insurance is a pretty tough topic, rapidly changing in the, uh, the, the policies are not changing, the taxation is not changing, the rules are not changing, but the availability of policies is changing pretty rapidly right now. Big insurers are leaving the industry. Um, they're just worried that they've not got, done a good job yet of the actuarial calculations. And so the policies tend to be expensive as a result. And Robert, I guess my last note for our listeners is, if your friends or family tells you, oh, don't worry about it, We've got it handled. You can come live with us. We'll help. Don't don't be upset. It, it'll all be okay. Ignore them. Because, and, because the reality is that the most loving, supportive thing that you can do for that team of people who love and care about you is to really plan ahead and, um, and understand that when the time comes, those folks, their circumstances may have changed. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's a ton of pressure to put on family to try and figure out how to finance this kind of long-term care arrangement. And so many of our clients say, I'm not going to worry about that because it's not going to happen to me. Um, yeah, actually, pretty high likelihood it is going to happen to you. So plan accordingly. On that happy note, let's wrap up for today. You've been listening to the always sunny Robert Fleming and his always <laughs> uh, delightful and, and pleasant sidekick, Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman, both partners in the Tucson, Arizona elder law firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC. 
And, uh, and this program we call Elder Law Issues. We hope that you will join us again for our next podcast. Thanks.